Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Zivy Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com for updates on podcast guests and lots of live events. Hi, everybody. I hope this week you'll check out We Found Time, my new online magazine, where we have essays this week by bestselling author Jill Santopolo, who wrote The, the Light We Lost. It's about her working out. VC Chickering. Allison Kane, Melissa Schultz, and Ashley Prentice Norton, um, who wrote The Chocolate Money, which I loved. They have written five amazing, beautiful essays, and you should go check them out at wefoundtime.com. This week's sponsor I'm really excited about is Peeled Snacks, and I've been buying Peeled Snacks for a long time, so I'm super excited they want to be a sponsor. My particular favorites are the apple gently dried fruits, but I'm also now obsessed with the salty snacks they have, particularly um, the baked pea crisps in sea salt flavor, which are delicious and amazing to have stocked now in the midst of this pandemic because they're healthy and um I don't feel guilty giving them to the kids. Uh, the fruits, too, are made with no added sugars, so that also makes me feel good since I alternate those with Fruit Loops. Anyway, Peeled Snacks is giving my listeners, that means you, a discount code of 15% off the entire purchase for just this week. And the discount code is capital Z for Zibby15. So go to Peeled Snacks, Zibby15, you get 15% off, stuck up on some of these awesome, healthy dried fruits and salty snacks. 
By the way, the baked pea pea puffs, butter and sea salt are also really awesome. Um, So you'll know what I'm snacking on and we can snack together. Thanks so much to Field Snacks for being a sponsor. Our Eric Thomas is the author of a collection of essays called Here For It or How to Save Your Soul in America, a senior staff writer at Elle.com where he has written the pop culture and politics humor column Eric Reads the News since 2016. Eric has also been published by the New York Times and many other publications. His writing for the theater has been seen around the country and has garnered him many awards, including the Barrymore Award. He is the long-running host of the Moth Story Slams in Washington, D.C. and Philadelphia. He currently lives in Baltimore with his husband, the Reverend David Norse Thomas. But thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me. I really appreciate it. Would you mind telling everybody what your book is about? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, Here For It is a memoir and essays. It's uh, They're all humorous essays. I really admire Samantha Irby. I really admire David Rakoff and David Sedaris. So it's very, the essays are, are in that style. They are all about different positions of feeling like an other, feeling like you don't belong. So it's, I talk about, you know, growing up like lower income, black, gay, you know, when uh, we grew up conservative Christian and I went to a school that was largely Jewish. And so just places where I felt like I wasn't, I didn't belong in figuring out what belonging means. I originally wanted to call it Belonging by Michelle Obama, but that title apparently was already taken. So that's a little weird. But yeah, they, the essays go from moments throughout childhood, like, you know, big consequential moments in life. And then like small, weird little moments, you know, like awkwardly trying to like stay out of like be a wallflower at a party and accidentally catching on fire like so like it really runs the gamut and it goes through adulthood it goes through uh right after the 2016 election wow and you had another title that you threw in here but i don't want to repeat it because i feel like it's like you know do you remember you said there was another title? i did yeah yeah yeah. so i yeah i originally (laughs) wanted to call the book why bother which was not it was right around the time that hillary clinton's book what happened came out and i was really fascinated by the idea that like you could pose a question that didn't, that maybe was a statement, maybe it was a question. And for me, like, why bother kind of encapsulated the spirit of the book, which is sort of like, why bother to get out of bed in the morning? Why bother to try to make the world a better place? Why bother to try to feel like you belong? And of course, you know, it would have been a harder sell, uh, a book called Why Bother. But I do feel like, particularly in this moment, I didn't write it for this weird, strange moment that we're in. But I think that spirit still carries through. Like, why are we trying to reach each other still? Why are we trying to make our mark in the world? Why are we trying to speak truth to power? And I think it's because we feel like there there must be something better on the other side. And, and that's what the book is about, figuring out what's on the other side or at the end of the book or at, behind the next page. I hope there's something good behind the different stage of life. I'm like, I just started, I just like made this custom candle and it's called Next Chapter, Please. Because like, I'm ready to like turn the page. That was actually my husband who came up with it. But I'm like, next chapter. I'm done with this. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So I know your essays are fantastic and you have so many of them on L.com and they're funny and just awesome. How did you decide, like, did you write these essays for this book or did you have some of these essays? How did you decide to make it a whole book? Like, what was the process? What was your thinking? Yeah, I mean, so for years I had been involved with like live storytelling shows like The Moth, which is another great podcast or an organization called First Person Arts in Philadelphia. And so I had started uh, just sort of telling stories from my life and figuring out like what a narrative arc inside of these stories was. And then I'd done a, a couple of like evening length solo shows where it was like three or four stories stuck together. But I hadn't written any of the essays as if they were formal essays until 
my agent and I started talking about like what a book might look like. And the reason that I chose this, this avenue as opposed to, you know, writing fiction or writing a, a book of essays that, uh, or another kind of nonfiction book was that I, I felt like the things that were most consequential to me when I was coming up and even now as an adult, like the, the books that were, that really shook the, my worldview were people's stories told honestly and vulnerably and sometimes humorously and sometimes not. And so I really endeavored to figure out how to put my life into, into essays and, and figure out how to make it funny, even though there are a lot of moments that aren't funny, which I felt like was a fun challenge, you know, any, for any writer to say, like, I'm going to write my life story and I'm going to write it humorously and I'm going to figure out what the joke is. <laughs> I mean, you know, like either, you know, either you're telling the cosmic joke or the, the cosmos is telling the joke on you. So I'm like, well, let me beat the cosmos to the punch. Well, I love the tone of it because it feels like you are just talking to me as I read it. It just feels like I'm listening to you talk. Like your voice is so clear. It's really funny and awesome. Oh, thank you. And I want to hear more about how, so you have a, you had a viral Facebook post that ended yeah. up getting you to your job and your whole career and everything. And you wrote, when you wrote about it, you said, pivoting to writing full-time seven months after a viral Facebook post scored me a plum freelance gig, I found that I had reached a point at which the facts no longer made sense in the narrative of my life. <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's like, if I was writing my life, and I'll tell you how, I, like, I'll tell you how it happened in a second. Like, but I feel like if I was writing my life story as like fiction, as a novel, people would say like, oh, this happened. This was a little too easy. This is a little too, you know, it's not like how Carrie on Sex in the City, she writes like one column a week and she can afford to live alone in New York City and go drinking every night. Just not realistic. Seems fair. But yeah, I was working at a community center as the program director for a little while. And I used Facebook, just like we all do, to update about my day and things I'd read and seen. And I wrote this Facebook post one Saturday morning about this picture of Barack Obama, Enrique Peña Nieto, and Justin Trudeau. And they were striding down this red carpet. And it just looked so good. Like, it looked like a movie poster. I was like, uh... I feel weird about like thirsting after world leaders, but like, whatever, it's just, this is where we are. And so I wrote about that. And it was just like, you know, a couple hundred words on Facebook. And it went super viral, something like 65,000 likes and 17,000 shares. And so my former editor at L.com, well, the site director, um, Leah Chernikov, saw the post and she sent me a message and was like, do you want to do something like this every day? Which is it's like Cinderella. It's like, oh, welcome to the, your new life. You know, I feel like Annie walking into uh, Daddy Warbucks' house. I was like, yeah, things that were happening in that moment and things kept going viral. And then people really started responding to the column. And then after the election, I wrote about uh, all the things that were changing in the world. And I also wrote about Representative Maxine Waters a number of times. And that's where a lot of people know me from. The columns I wrote about her went like super viral. and People really glommed onto to them because she's a phenomenal person and a phenomenal leader. She's a unique voice. And it really sort of dovetailed with the kind of writing that I like to do. So now I, I write the column every day. I also, you know, it, it's, it's harder to write about, write humor about the news at a time like this. So there's a lot of thought that goes into it, a lot of conversation. And I also... I'm supplementing that by also writing, I, I'm writing a new series for Elle where I look back at different genres of classic movies uh, through the lens of our current moment of isolation. So for instance, I wrote about rom-coms a couple of weeks ago because a lot of rom-coms are about being isolated and, and trying to reach out to people through unique means. And so you, you find that there's a lot of applicability in movies that came out 30 years ago to this current moment where we're all like zooming at our relatives. <laughs> 
It is so crazy that we've ended up here. In your latest, or maybe it's not your latest, in the one I read most recently this morning, you wrote one about how handshakes are no longer the thing, right? Yeah. Which Dr. Fauci, Fauci, anyway, yeah. has, has, has said. And you were so funny too about like how that's now the authority and like how we can <laughs> even listen and like so funny. Anyway, you know, you said trend alert, handshakes are over, baby. And then you said, then you suggest some other solutions to greeting people physically or whatever. And I want to find it myself. I, I, <laughs> I need I know, help. I know. It's wild. And, it, you know, it's so easy. It's so easy for me to sort of like spiral or get like just really wound up. But I, I think a lot of times I really, I look for the absurdity and the places where absurdity is just truly absurd and not malicious. You know, there's a lot of things that I, I personally feel like some of uh, some people in charge are doing that are like absolutely malicious. And I'm like, okay, I have what to do about this. But some <laughs> things are just ridiculous, you know? And so when you break it down, I mean, I also feel like I wake up every morning in this house and I'm like, I'm not allowed to leave my house. That's ridiculous. And I don't know what to do with that. And I'm like, all right, well, let me just figure out what, like, how to make it funny. And for me, that's like, it's taking the the granular, the little pieces of it and blowing them up to like huge proportions. So with handshaking, yeah, it definitely makes sense that maybe we don't ever handshake again. That seems a little deranged, but whatever, this is the <laughs> world we live in. But I asked myself, okay, well, then like, if I can ignore the big point, which is like, oh, it's not safe to handshake and look at the granular point, which is like, well, how will I, how will I know we're meeting if we're not shaking hands, you know? And I'm like, well, I'll just boop everybody right on the nose and then do the Harlem <laughs> shake. And that's the way that we greet each other. Like today, for instance, I'm thinking about writing about the post office and how there's just the post office is in danger of becoming insolvent, which is strange because like now we have to like do a GoFundMe for the concept of mail. That feels not beyond my purview. I <laughs> like, I didn't sign up for this as a human adult in America. I'm like, no, no, no. I just want to put a little stamp on things and say, <laughs> see you never. But, you know, that's uh, we live in absurd times. But every time is absurd, I guess. Have you seen the Jerry Seinfeld routine about the post office from his no, stand-up show? So. Oh, my gosh. Go find it online after we get off and you will laugh so hard. But it's, oh, yes. Excellent. It's so <laughs> funny about, you know, how they, t you know, they might have to raise it by one penny. And he's like, what's a penny? Who even has a penny? So anyway, I won't do it justice. I can't embarrass myself, but it's very funny. So use that as inspiration for your post office call. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I want to go back, if you don't mind, to your feeling, the, the sort of feeling left out part of the book, because that was, I know you make light of all of it all the time, but the poignancy to that sort of stayed with me also. And you had a quote about how you said, I knew I was not the same as my classmates, but I was compelled to believe that my options were just as promising. Demographically, I, a black male growing up in West Baltimore, didn't have great odds, but inside the bubble, even statistics seemed to work differently. And you talked about going to all these bar and bat mitzvahs, fancy places and riding horses, and also how your family was struggling financially in part because your parents sent you and your brothers to private school. So I just wanted to know, like, did you feel guilty about that? Like, how did, how did you feel about this whole piece of your life? Well, you know, it's amazing. You know, my parents worked really hard to teach an inherent sense of worth to me and to my brothers, and which the world was never going to teach us. And the world doesn't teach most people worth. You know, there's, there's a million ways that we can feel unworthy. And so, like, the idea that we were worthy of these things, these educational experiences, even these sacrifices, really came up, but it heads with the reality that when I started to realize that, like, when 
they were paying for me to go to school. That meant they couldn't buy new clothes for a decade, which is true. My parents didn't buy clothes for a decade. They couldn't afford to go on vacation. They couldn't afford, sometimes food was like, you know, we were never hungry, but like sometimes figuring out the food budget became an issue. And so as I became more aware as a preteen and teenager, I did feel really guilty because, you know, as a child, you feel also powerless. You're like, I'm glad that you're like, uh, giving me these things, you know, and like, I think I deserve it. I'm a human. I, I, I want, I want things. I want a mail service and I want food and I want to go to all my friends, bar and bat mitzvahs. But also like you under, you start to understand how it works, what the, the reality of being a human in a society is, which means that you owe things to other people. And so one of the things that I continue to struggle with as an adult is like the idea of how do you ever repay your parents for what they've given you? And I don't have an answer for that. I wrote a whole book about how they're great, <laughs> which people should buy so that I can take them on vacation when, they, when I can see them again. But yeah, there's, there's no way. You can never say, you can never tell, I think, a parent really what they did for you. And maybe that's the beauty, that's the paradoxical beauty of the whole thing, that because it's so great, it's inexpressible. And so then you don't, like, so words fail and you don't need to say anything. And we're just sitting here being good to each other and being appreciative of each other's presence. That's the best way I can think of it. Oh, I love that. As a parent, that's awesome to hear. <laughs> How is your, like, are you Zooming with your family and everything? Are you staying in touch and everything? Yeah, yeah. We're doing, like, you know, we were Zooming. My, my parents FaceTimed me the other day without warning, which is like a real, that's a gangster move. Because I was just like sitting, watching TV, and I didn't have a shirt on. All of a sudden, they're like, my, their faces are on the screen. I was like, oh, excuse me, one second. I'm like in my house. <laughs> But yeah, we're Zooming. We did like a big family FaceTime, which is kind of nice. I have a brother who lives in the South and the rest of the family is here in Maryland. I mean, so we don't get to see them as much. And so it actually, we're seeing each other more now because of Zooming and, and FaceTime and all that. So there's a there's the positive part of it. That's awesome. And so what do you have coming up next? You're going to keep doing your L column, I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm going to keep doing my L column until they turn the lights off on me and they can't do it because I live in my house. And... Uh, <laughs> And I'm work- I have another book coming out in September that I co-wrote with Helena Andrews-Dyer called Reclaiming Her Time. It's uh, about the work and wit and wisdom of Representative Maxine Waters. So that'll be a really fun book, really gorgeous book. Really, it's a great gift. And, you know, you learn a lot about Maxine or Representative Waters. I got a little casual there for a second. Um, <laughs> I won't And yeah, I'm, I have, you know, some other larger project, projects in the works. I don't sort of know what's going to become of them or when they'll ever see the light of day. But yeah, I, I just, I write all the time, you know, I write plays, I write, you know, books, and then I write my column. So it's, it's, I sort of like, I sit down and I'm just like, what medium are we in today? But yeah, the, the next thing to look for is Reclaiming Her Time, the book about Maxine Waters. Very cool. By the way, I just have to say that outside my window, the mail truck just pulled up as yeah, like the perfect sort of coda to our conversation. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> do you have any advice to aspiring authors? Absolutely. I mean, I loved Christy's advice about knowing that it's a business. And, you know, I read Courtney Mom's book before and after the book deal, which is phenomenal. But I also, I think it's also equally important to sort of really dive into what is at the core of your voice as a writer. And for me, that means constantly reading writers whose voices I admire and whose voices are like mine and different from mine. And then also really like reading your own work as if you were looking like doing a literary study in college of somebody else's work and sort of examining how it's put together, 
how it's constructed, what things work, what things don't work. And in a treating it like a business, but also like you are refining like an artisanal craft. Like you're like, right? Like you're making artisanal goat cheese. That's my advice. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Maybe from now on, anytime I try to write, I'll, I'll put some smelly cheeses around and I'll, you know channel Absolutely. that. Absolutely. <laughs> Smelly cheese has definitely helped. Who knew? I mean, you never know when you ask this question what people will say, and this is perfect. <laughs> awesome. Well, Eric, thank you so much. I'm glad we finally got a chance to speak, and your book was great and funny and awesome, and it's just what people need right now. So oh. so everybody go go get here for it. Thank you <laughs> so much, Or how to Vivian. save really your soul it. in America. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books with Zibby Owens. Please make sure to sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com to get more updates about episodes like these and also lots of live events. Thanks for listening. Thanks again to Peeled Snacks for being a sponsor of this week's episodes. Peeled Snacks, again, discount code ZIBBY15, capital Z, ZIBBY15, for 15% off your purchase for this week only. And go check out the wefoundtime.com essays. They're so good and uh, they'll make you laugh and think and feel and, and all the good things. Have a great week. You can follow me on Instagram at moms don't have time to read books. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You can always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.